forward. Um, I, I just want to share this thought for you as I was reading over my notes this morning, um, just this area, and uh, for you to understand as we get in. I have responsibility as your pastor really to do just one thing, and that's to preach and teach the Word of God to you. Amen. To, to give you the truth and to help you find clarity and understanding in God's word. Because that's what we're supposed to live by. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And like Austin was saying during communion, this is the living bread. Jesus is the living bread. The word of God. The Bible is the bread of life. Amen. And so we live by that. We live by the word of God. Now, many times when it comes to that, I, I, I love our grandkids. We like a little Gracie walk around and, and she'll get some some stuff, and she loves one thing. She loves candy, not candy, candy. And so she be, I ain't candy, I ain't candy, I ain't candy. And because that, she likes that. It's sweet. She likes that. She'll get some. And then I watched her the other day, and she had them like little peanut butter skittles or whatever those things. And so she was eating those or peanut butter M and M. She'd get a few, and then she go, I want more candy, more candy, more candy. And many times that's the way we are with the Word of God. We like the candy. But every time we need, every now and then we need some, some food that has some substance to it. How many know sugar highs wear off? A lot of Christians run around on sugar highs. And uh, so we need to do better than that. And then little J.D., I get a kick out of J.D., but, but he, he, he gets up and you go, I like it. I like it. And then you go, I love it. I love it. And we were in Costco a couple of weeks ago, and so they were, they were giving those food samples out. So he'll trust me, and so I go, here, try this. And I gave him, I believe, the pasta thing or something. He goes, I don't like it. I just kind of spit it out. And sometimes we do that with the Word of God, too. So we have to be careful because there's going to be part that you like. There's going to be part you don't like, but all of it's for your benefit. Amen? And so we can't be spitting out the stuff we don't like. You're going to have to eat the broccoli of the Word. Amen? Hallelujah, you're just going to have to get in there. And uh, Luke chapter 9, and beginning in verse 12, when the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provision, for we are in a deserted place here. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men, and it should be in there, plus women and children. So more than 5,000 were fed. And he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so, and made them sit, and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking to heaven, he blessed and broke them, and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. So they all ate and were filled in 12 baskets Excuse me, and, 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 the, and 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up. <coughs> Excuse me, well, that'll blow your ears out, huh? The mic was a little congested. I needed to help it out. It was a little fuzzy there. Father God, we thank you this morning for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your goodness in our lives. Thank you for all that you do. Lord, this morning we ask that you would open the eyes of our understanding, that you would give us clarity and insight and in truth. Holy Spirit, we need you to be who Jesus said you would be. We need you to be our teacher, and we need you to be our helper today. Teach us to understand God's word and help us and empower us to live it out daily. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Look at the cover of your outline. I just want to reiterate this to you. And this morning, we're going to go through this fairly quickly because two weeks ago, I gave you the first three points and six lessons from being blessed, broken, and given of what it means to live by God's pattern and principles for our lives and the pattern of being blessed, broken, and given that Jesus illustrated in feeding the multitude. We need to understand God does everything based on a principle and according to a pattern. When I read the Word of God, I want to identify the principles that are in God's Word. That's what I want to do. I want to identify the principles that are in His, God, in His Word. And then when I find the principle, I want to find the pattern of obedience that's connected to that principle. Every principle has a pattern to follow of obedience, that if we'll live according to the principle and follow the pattern, then we see the fulfillment of the promise. Amen? And, and so that's what I've, I've studied for, and I look to find, I love finding principles, discovering the pattern, and then living by that so we can be a partaker of the promise. There are three core principles 
connected to the gospel. The first of that in, in those core areas is evangelism, or in other words, being called by God. Amen? The, the evangelism, that we go out, you share the gospel, but we know that uh, Jesus said that no man can come to the Father unless the Spirit is drawing him. So even while you're sharing, God is already calling people to himself. Amen? The call and evangelism. So we're just agreeing that God wants people to be saved, doesn't want anybody to perish. And so evangelism is a part of that, that we're reaching out on his behalf. And then discipleship is being empowered by God. When we come to the Lord, we're empowered by truth, we're anointed with the Spirit, or we're fully equipped by God through discipleship. And then ministry is being sent for God. That God, when we're in ministry, it means that we're going out. Ministry isn't something we do for ourselves. How many know the disciples weren't coming to Jesus? Hey, Jesus, you know, I think we ought to do this today. I think I ought to do this. They, they were following Jesus, and then he would send them out. He would give them their assignment. The, the word apostle literally means a sent one. One sent and empowered. Uh, if, as your children get older and, and, and they're able to, to drive and run some errands for you, and you say, hey, you know, Johnny, I need you to go to the store for me. Here's the laundry, uh, the, the, the grocery list, and you send them to the store. You've just sent them out as an apostle to the grocery store. They're, they're, they're your apostles sent to the store on your behalf. They have a list what they want to accomplish. Now, how many know if they go and you give them your, your, your uh, debit card? We used to do that with our kids. They had the ATM cards that they take, and they would enter our PIN number in and do all that stuff. And that, but, but, if they, but if they have your debit card and they come back with everything but what's not on the list, I mean everything that's not on the list and they forget to fulfill the list, how many know they weren't a good apostle? And so you sent them there with an assignment. So being sent by God is an important part of ministry. Not our sending ourselves or doing ourselves, but following his direction for our life. When it comes to our church, we've defined those three core areas into the mission statement of our church as reach, raise, and release. Meaning that to reach people with the gospel of Christ through evangelism, to raise them with the truth of God's word through discipleship, and to release them to fulfill their purpose in Christ, or in ministry. And uh, in doing that, you say, Pastor, what's the goal of that? One, we want to seek to save the lost. How many would agree? That's the goal of the church. The church exists not just to bless believers, but to see the world saved through Christ. Amen? So we need to be seeking to save the lost. We have to have a heart. The heart of God would be breaking. If Jesus would look at our city today, how many know Jesus stood up and, and uh, in, in fact, Neil read it last week, Matthew chapter 9, and he looked at the multitude and he had compassion on them because they were sheep without a shepherd. They had no leadership. They had no guidance in their life. And he had compassion for them. And he said, pray the Lord the harvest to send labor out in the harvest field or to bring a covering and to bring an answer to the needs of life. So if the Lord was looking at our society today, how many know he would still have compassion on the lost? Amen? And so we're seeking to save the lost. And then we want to always be preaching to save the lost. How many would agree? That's our goal is to pray and then to continue to reach out to do it. How many would like to see it then? And this is what I'm believing. I'm believing that in every service that we need to be seeing people saved and come to the Lord. Amen. That has to be our goal, but that has to be our passion. But, but I have to understand this principle that only happens through living by being blessed, broken, and giving. Understanding this principle of giving what we have to Christ, allowing Him to bless it, allowing Him to break it and define it to purpose, and then allowing Him to give it away back through our lives. I want to see people saved. I want to see them filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to see them healed, healed delivered. Amen. In every service. So look at the inside of your outline. The threefold principle of the gospel of evangelism, discipleship, and ministry can only be accomplished by living out the threefold principle of being blessed, broken, and given. It isn't going to happen any other way. And I said this uh, Tuesday night. I said it two weeks ago as we were, be, began this series on this. And it's this fact. Jesus doesn't do miracles to prove that he can do stuff. Jesus didn't go, watch, it, watch this thing, guys, as God. Look what I can do as God. He didn't have a small God complex. He didn't have an ego problem. He didn't need validation by anybody. How many know that he already knew he was accepted by the Father? He knew who his Father was. He knew what his, what his relationship with the Father was. He knew what his assignment was. How many know he was clearly on mission in everything that he did? 
And so he didn't need affirmation from people. He wasn't doing that. He wasn't feeding them so more multitudes would follow him. He wasn't trying to get a greater following. Do you understand what I'm saying? All the reasons that people want to do things in ministry today were none of the reasons that Jesus did anything he did. Did you get that? So many people, because we are so insecure, we need so much affirmation because we don't have a right identity of who we are in Christ. And then if we don't get our affirmation, if we don't have an identity, then we're discouraged. We don't feel appreciated. How many know when you know you're God's kid? When you know you're God's child, when you know that he is your father, that's enough affirmation to get you through your whole life. Amen. And you just stay on mission with your Father. Praise the Lord. So look at these lessons, and I put all of them in here this morning. I'm going to go through the first three just in a couple of minutes, but I want you to hear that. The first lesson we talked about uh, just in review was that Jesus is teaching that we live off the increase of being blessed, broken, and given. The need is before them. In fact, go go with me back to to verses 1 and 2, and look at this. Then he called his 12 disciples together, and he gave them power and authority over all demons to cure diseases and sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. Then he called the 12 disciples together, gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases, and he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. In other words, they were blessed, they were empowered, and then they were given. Amen? They were blessed, broken, and given. That principle, that threefold principle is still there. So many times we can hear the truth proclaimed, but miss walking in its fullness. And I think that's a lot of times what happens. We hear this truth, we agree with it, it's easy to say amen to, but it's something harder to walk in. Would you agree? So think about it. The disciples were God called, God anointed, and God appointed. That's what they were. By being called, they were blessed by God and being called. They were empowered, and that power cannot come from the arm of man. As Cole was saying this morning, how many know we're glad the good hand of God is upon it? And then thirdly, they were sent, being given to be the hand of God to the people. They were sent out to be the hand of God to the people. I want you to hear that this morning. God's will is that you would be his hand extended to those around you. But it can only happen when we realize that we are blessed. If we are still trying to get the blessing of God instead of understanding that I am the blessed of the Lord. Amen. I've given my life to God. He has received me. Just by receiving me and saving me, I'm blessed. We're trying to get blessed so we can be a blessing. If you understand, wait a minute, I am blessed, therefore I am also a blessing. Amen? Watch this. And so Jesus called them to himself, gave them from himself, and sent them for himself. Jesus always acted and taught in ways that would take our eyes off of ourselves and place them on the purpose of God in our lives. Secondly, Jesus will always ask for all that you have. Everybody just share this with you just for a moment. Getting saved isn't just getting your, your, your sins forgiven. That's part of it. He, he washes us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. He forgives us of all of our sins and all of our transgressions. But getting saved is death, burial, and resurrection. Getting saved is giving your life to Christ. Amen. It's not just receiving Jesus in your heart. It's not just believing in your heart. It means giving your life to Christ. Amen. Let me put you like this. If if marriages, we have a terrible divorce percentage rate in America. But if people did marriage the way they do Christianity, the divorce rate would be about 97%. Because in marriage, it's two people completely giving their lives to each other. The only way for, for there to be a successful marriage is for two people to die to themselves and live a resurrected life united together as one. The two, two shall become not two at odds with each other for the next 45 years. Not two trying to get each other to conform to each other, trying to get their way in the relationship. Are you with me? 
And so when we come to Christ, coming to Christ is the same thing. We die and we are raised in newness of life with him. We are made one with him. We only have one identity and that identity is Christ. Could you say amen? And so with that, so he asks for all we have. He asks for our whole life. And then if he has my life, and, and many times I, I remember what uh, Ed Cole said years ago. I heard it in the 80s when we were on a ministry trip going from England to Sweden. And he was ministering there in England. We went to the conference. And, and he was talking to the men there at a men's conference in London. And he said, you know what? The altar call or, or salvation is the altar call for the unbeliever. But he says the offering is the altar call for the believer. Because the offering proves whether my, Jesus really has my life or not. Amen. So did I give him my life? Yeah, I gave him my life. I, I just haven't given him anything that's connected to my life. Hallelujah. Moving right along because that's not getting very much agreement. His purpose is to show us that all we have will never be enough. Why does he ask for all that you have? Because all that we have will never be enough to fulfill God's purpose in our life. When we release what we have, he can turn not enough into more than enough. People are so afraid they don't have enough. Everybody look up here just for a moment. Living for God, you will never have enough. Let me just put you like that. Even people who have billions, who, who if you said, man, if I just had what they have, that, that would be enough. No, it wouldn't. I've never met anybody who felt like they had enough. Because there's something in it. When, when we're looking for natural resource, and then once you get enough, then you're afraid everybody's going to take your enough. Amen. But when we release what we have, he can turn not enough into more than enough. Turning not enough into more than enough is what the ministry is all about. The ministry is the ground to turn not enough into more than enough. Never for the purpose of getting, but for the purpose of giving. That's why I prayed over the offering. Second Corinthians, Paul wrote, hey, that God will multiply your seed sown so that you might be sufficiently, let hear that, he want, God wants you sufficiently supplied, requiring no assistance or no way so that you can give to every need that rises above you why does God want to bring you to a place where you have no need you are sufficiently supplied so you can give in a way that through your giving he gets praise and glory and thanksgiving could you say amen but to do that I have to release what I have into his hand so what's the process the command that he asked them, he said, you give them something to eat. The question was, what do you have? One lunch. The answer then is not enough. What is this among so many? Now hear this. Our lack is never a hindrance to God. Your lack, my lack, whatever the situation. God's not hindered by what you have in your hand. God's not limited by what he can do by our lack or our abundance. Are you with me this morning? He is only, it's only a hindrance to us and to our faith. It's not the size of the church, but the size of the God in the church that matters. When it comes to what we do, everything we've done here has always been bigger than what our numbers would declare we could do because we believe God is bigger than the amount of people who attend our church. Could you say amen? So just believe God for the greater thing. Hear me this morning. Your exodus and his purpose being fulfilled in your life will not be determined by the amount of your resources. Rather, it will come from the faith in your heart to live your life by being blessed, broken, and given to others. Amen. When you can catch a hold of that, it changes everything. What's the third lesson from this? The instruction for not enough to become more than enough is set before. Jesus said, set them down in order. Give me what you have. How many know that this isn't about a lunch? I, I shared it Tuesday night. I think sometimes what would happen is, is that, I, and I, I probably should have done it and did an illustration. I was going to get five loaves and two fish, but fish would kind of stink by the time we got to the end of second service. But anyway... You get five loaves and two fish, but, but, but as they're giving that away, maybe they're tearing off a couple ends of the, of the five loaves. We're going to feed all these people with this? Man, I don't know. How, because we always think about everything in the natural. Listen, what is this amongst so many? But it's not about a lunch. It's about the kingdom. Jesus is always trying to get them to understand the kingdom of God. How many know you are living in the kingdom of God? You are in this world, but you are not of this world. And we have to get, we have to get ourselves out of natural thinking into kingdom thinking. Amen? Amen. 
I love what Neil said last week about walking in the Spirit and flowing with the Spirit. We think everything so naturally, but when we just begin to agree with God and walk in the Spirit, it's amazing how breakthrough comes. Could you say amen? So think about it. It's not about a, a lunch. It's about a life. This is a living parable. The kingdom of God is like this. It is blessed by being received, broken and being defined by purpose, given back to accomplishment of purpose. Now hear me. Jesus put back into their hands that which they had given to him. Did they lose their lunch? They had five loaves and two fish. They gave it to him. But was it gone? Did they lose it? No. They got it back, but they got it back in what? Multiplied form. And when they came back in the multiplied form, it was to be given away. Look it. Not enough has now become more than enough. Therefore, it is blessed. Broken, without brokenness, there can be no multiplication. And this is the hinging point in most of our life. Brokenness is where we allow him to define purpose, not me. He has to be able to define purpose for our life. And then given back in multiplied form so they could give it away. It was in their hands to give, not to eat. Are you with me this morning? When I begin to understand that, Lord, I thank you for what you're doing. Now, what have you put in my hands that is to give and what is there to eat? Because you supplied seed to the sower and bread to the eater. He supplies both seed to be sown and bread to be eaten in our lives. Are you with me this morning? Amen. Now, I, I put this also on the front of my outline. I didn't say it. My job is to teach. Your job is to decide what you're going to do with it. Amen. I've chosen to live by the Word of God. Now, for 39 years, I've seen that the Word works. I, I don't have much stock. I don't put much stock in people's opinion because I've already found out this is better than anybody's opinion. Could I get an Amen. So watch this. We must always remember that, it is, that he is the God who multiplies the seed we sow, not the bread we eat. I must always ask, is this seed to sow or bread to eat? Amen. What are the results? Think about it. They all ate as much as they wanted. They were all satisfied and filled. There was more than enough left over from their not enough, from their, <coughs> from their not enough to meet their need. <coughs> The question is, how can this work for me? First of all, you have to release what you have. Everybody say release. release. You have to release what you have. You really do. Don't hold on too tight to not enough. Hey, Ben. Sometimes we just, we're just holding on too tight to not enough. Well, what if I released it? What could God do with it if I released it? Amen? All right. Secondly, you have to be able to trust the one who is asking you for what you have. How many know not only was the multitude hungry, but all the disciples were hungry? And when Jesus is asking for what they have, they're looking there, wait a minute, Lord, there's 82 of us on staff. There's the 12 and the 70 other, and plus you, okay, 83, maybe some other guys who aren't mentioned. Maybe some people brought their family to them. Maybe some people had their family with them. So Jesus had, had a pretty nice entourage that followed him all the time. And all they have amongst him is the five loaves and two. All we have is five loaves and two fishes. How many remember the, the, the story where God sent Elijah down to the widow woman during the drought? And he says, you, you go down there. I've commanded a woman there to minister to your need. And when he gets there, he thought, oh, man, she must be really wealthy or something else. He gets there, and there's the widow woman, and she's gathering some sticks for a fire. And all she has enough left is, is, is a little bit of oil and a little bit of meal to cook two cakes for a kid. And, she's, and when he says, hey, make me something to eat, he says, no, we just have enough to eat. This is our last meal. We're going to eat this. After we eat this, we're going to die. And Elijah's thinking, you, this is my provision? You commanded her to take care of She's got enough for one meal, and they're going to die, and this is it? And he goes, hey, look at He goes, look at look at He goes, bake me something first. Bring me something first. And so at that moment, her not enough, her obedience, being able to release not enough and trusting the word of the Lord, Turned her not enough into more than enough. And that oil and that meal lasted them through the whole drought. Are you with me? 
It, 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 it didn't multiply. See, we think God's going to meet the need because he's going to turn my oil into, he's going to multiply it into 50 gallons of oil. He's going to turn my meal into five barrels of meal and it's going to supernaturally just like volcano up. No, it's never going to run out. Are you listening to me? It's never, with God, God promised it would never run out. But we have an American mindset, and we think God's going to bless. The way he's going to bless me is he's going to give me abundance, and I'm going to have all this stuff and out of the abundance that he brings me. No, he's going to supply out of his abundance. Jesus received it, lifted up to heaven, and the supply came out of heaven just like the manna coming down in the wilderness came out of heaven. When you get over and you can believe God, I believe every day you have a supply for me coming out of the abundance of heaven. And it can. God can bless you with the abundance. But I found this, that God has a way of getting things in my life, and I don't even have to buy them. How many know this about I heard Kenneth Copeland, one of the best statements I heard on prosperity years ago, he said, True prosperity is right here. Jesus fed the 5,000 and didn't spend a nickel. Are you with me? That's kingdom prosperity, is that there is a resource of heaven. And if you can get your faith, we, we try to have kingdom prosperity mixed with natural prosperity. But kingdom prosperity believes that God will meet the need, whether you need $50 million or whether you need 50 cents. God will meet. Paul said it like this. My God shall supply all my need according to what? His riches in glory. Amen. Hallelujah. And then you'll find out that God will always give you enough to be a blessing to others. Are you doing all right? But you have to trust the one who is asking you for all that you have. Because nobody had done this before. It was hard for them. And there's nothing natural about the request. God doesn't ask natural things for you. Let me ask you. If God was asking you to do natural things, what do you need him for? If all he's asking you to do is natural things, what do we need God for? We can do that in the natural. We can live naturally that way like anybody. Number four, know this. God never has and never will make a natural request of your life. All the things God has asked me to do in living for him and serving him, he's not, look, look at what he said to the disciples. He called them to him, empowered them, and look what he said. Go heal the sick. He's asking them to agree in the provision of heaven on their life. Think about that. The empowerment that he gave them was just his word. Come here, I'm giving you my anointing. My anointing is now upon you. I'm transferring it like, like Moses d- did there, that God said, I'm taking part of the anointing upon you, and I'm placing it on the 70 others as well. And they say, okay, here it is. And then you hear the word, and then you have to walk by faith in that word. So Jesus called them to himself, commissioned them, and told them they were power. I'm giving you my authority. I'm releasing my authority to you. Now go out and act like me. Go out and do what you've seen me doing. Go and heal the sick. Are you with me? He didn't tell them to go pray for the sick. See, we've diminished the power of God down to prayer. Pray one for another. Lay hands. Anoint with oil. Birth that place. Wait a minute. Rise up. And you just say, wait a minute. I, wanna, I don't want to diminish the word of God. I want to walk in the fullness of its power. Because God didn't tell us just to pray for the sick. He said to heal the sick. These signs will follow them that believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Yes, Amen. So, getting a hold and tapping into the fullness of God's power. So he says, why does he ask that? Because he's trying to do something. He's not trying to do something natural in your life. Amen. This is the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of man. Look what he said. You give them what you have. What do you have? We must guard against falling into the natural routine with God. Just thinking naturally. Get out of your natural mindset. That's why Paul said, look at Romans 1 and 2. Do not be conformed to this world. The mindset, the thinking of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We must be willing to do the things that will produce the results God desires to see and to bring about in our lives. Are you doing all right? Look what he says. You feed them. Let me just back up and do it like this. In this area. um, I still find it hard to believe in some respect 
that I felt I heard the word of the Lord to come plant a church here. And all, all of a sudden, I said, well, we're going to go plant a church. Well, who do you know? There absolutely nobody. How are you going to do that? I don't know. We're just going to go do it. Have you ever done that before? No. Have you had any training? No. Have you been to school for that? No. Have you studied, the, been to the seminar on church planting? No. That, I did this before there were seminars on church planting. We did everything. In fact, I read all the stuff on Saturday. And I said, man, I'm surprised we even survived. We did, we did everything they said not to do. Amen. We had no core group. Well, we did. It was my wife and three children. Amen. And most of them weren't potty trained yet. It was dynamic. Amen. But God asked you to, but there's no, in, in the natural, it makes no sense. And then the next thing, we, 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 we actually had some, we had, we, we had some pledge support for six months. And then I said something crazy because the, the, the organization we were with at that time, they used to give people $1,500 a month to start a church. And I told them, you can't start a church on $1,500 a month. You can't do anything for $1,500. So, so I just rose up and I said, hey, why don't you give me $4,000 a month for six months, and in six months we'll be self-sufficient. And I couldn't even believe that came out of my mouth. But somehow inside, I believe, you know what, God, if, if we could do that, there's just something goes off inside you. When you begin to agree with God, it, everything you're talking about, there's nothing natural about it. It's not making any natural sin, but you're speaking and you're declaring things. And God is birthing that on the inside of you. And you've given him the lunch of your life. And he's received it and he's mixed it with heaven. And your life is blessed with the riches of your father in heaven. And you just believe, God, I think I can just live out of your, I don't need man to support me. It'd be nice to have all that to get off. But if they'd have said, no, we'd have done it anyway. Are you doing all right? Hallelujah. So watch it. So we have to be willing. You feed them. You give them. You, you give them. You be a blessing. You meet the need. This is servant stuff. And these are the things that he shows and says to his servant. He has his disciples. He's trying to teach them. Guys, this is the servanthood of the kingdom. Look at lesson number five. John 6, and we don't have time to read it. Verses 1 through 14 is the same account of him feeding the multitude. But, and it says there that Jesus, in verse 6, Jesus already knows what he's going to do concerning the situation you are faced with right now. You need to understand that. Whatever situation you're in, Jesus is standing there and he says to Hey, Philip, where can we get bread to buy all the, to, to buy food? Where can we get bread to feed all these people? He said, Lord, if we had 200 days wages, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough to give everybody something. Not to satisfy them, but just for everybody to get, you know, a, a little piece, a morsel. That, it, it would take more than that. And Philip's trying to rack his mind how he would finance this, this, this banquet that Jesus wanted to put on impromptu spur of the moment on the spot banquet right uh, right now do it not plan it for six months organize it fundraise for it but right now I, I go back like this it, it, it's like us showing up and say hey this afternoon we're going to have a courage dinner yeah. <laughs> how many know that takes almost a year to pull <laughs> we've done the last three we've done takes about a year to plan that and Jesus go, no, we're going to do it right now. And Philip's going, I don't know. But I love what it said, that, that Jesus said this to Philip, testing him, because he already knew what he was going to do. Whatever your situation is right now, where you don't see where the provision is, you don't know where it's going to come from, how he's going to meet it, God already knows what he's going to do concerning the need that is before you and me. Can you say Amen. I found that in all of our building, everything we've done, whether it is our church, every facility we've been in, planting the church, moving from facility to facility, taking on remodeling, building the Lord's gym, whatever it is, he's already known what he's going to do. And it always happens miraculously. And you stand back and go, God, you are awesome. And all I had to do was agree that you wanted to do something through my life. You say, Pastor, why are you preaching that? I'm trying to move you off of yourself. If I could get you to look at your life and settle it. Bless God, I am a blessed man. Yes. 
I am a blessed woman. Our life is blessed. Every need of our life is met. We have given our life to Christ. I'm not an American Christian. I'm a sold out all the way in, born again, giving my life to Christ. My life is not my own. I'm living for the King of glory. Therefore, he's received my life. My life has now lost its identity. It is mixed in him. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. And in him, I am fully supplied for his purpose in my life. Now I can live to purpose. The smallest life I can live is living for my own need. The greatest life we can live is living to fulfill his purpose through us. Amen? So think about it. But even the parable, look at it in all the parable. Jesus calls, he uses, illustrates that he calls servants to them. And every time he called somebody to him, he gave them from himself to minister for him. He gave the stewards his house to oversee, and all the supply was already in his house. All they had to do was distribute it to those for whom it was prepared. He gave the people talent. He says, hey, I want you to work for me. Here's the talents to do the work. He gave to one five, to two, and to one. He financed them. He equipped them to do the work. If that ever goes off on the inside of you, go, wait a minute. I don't have to figure this out. I just have to believe that he's provided. Amen. Think about this. Lesson five. He already knows what he's going to do. See, it looks like you don't have enough to meet the need. He will show you. I love how Cole did it. God wants to show you the hand of God. God wants to show you his hand through your life. So my question to you is, where are you looking for your power? Where are you looking today for your power? Even Austin said it in communion this morning. Come on, we we believe the doctor. Years ago, people got mad at a man named Charles Capps because he took scripture and he called them gospel pills. Gospel pills. And he said if you would speak. Because the word of God. Uh, uh, Proverbs 4 said that the word of God is medicine to your flesh. And so that, that if we would confess and speak the word as faithfully as you take your prescription from the doctor. You go to the doctor and say, doctor, I got a problem. How many of you have ever gone to the doctor and the doctor said, I know exactly what your problem is. We're going to do this, and I guarantee you'll get better. How many of you ever had that visit with the doctor? I don't see one hand. The doctors go, well, I think this is it. I- I'm pretty sure this is it. This is my best guess at what your problem is. Based upon my knowledge, based upon my education, based on my understanding of, of the human anatomy and how things work in my specialty, my area, and, and then we go to a general practitioner, you get down to special, so whatever, and they go, I went, I went into a doctor a while back and, uh, to, for a thing where I, I feel like I always have something dripping in my throat, and, and uh, so in services, you'll hear me coughing, it, 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 it just, I can't figure it out. I don't have a cold. I don't know what it is. So I'm going through all that. And Sue goes, well, you better go get it checked out. So I go into the doctor and go, well, it might be. So I I explain the situation. And she goes, well, it might be. Uh, And she goes, it could be acid reflux. I said, is that right? I said, my stomach's fine. I don't feel anything or do anything. Just this little situation. Sometimes I just have to cough. Feels like there's some, you know, congestion in there and that. And uh, so I clear my throat and I go on. And so, well, take the, and this is what you Well, go down. You can go down pharmacy and you buy this prescription for acid reflux. And you can take that for two months. And if it doesn't get better, we'll, we'll strengthen it. I said, so you're guessing and you're telling me to take something. If it doesn't get better, you just want to take, make what I'm taking stronger. And if that's not it, we'll try. So I, are you listening to me? And so people go, okay, and we'll go down and get the stuff, and I'll take it, and I'll come back. That didn't work. Okay, give me some stronger stuff. The first stuff didn't work, so it's got to be stronger, and I'll take that. And faithfully we'll do that, but if God says, speak the word only. If God says, by his stripes you are healed. Well, I know that, but you know, every now and then it just doesn't work. Believe God. Believe God with the same faith. If I could get the body of Christ to have the same faith in God's word that they have in medicine, we would turn the world upside down. You guys missed a great place to shout. Amen. Are you doing all right? Watch this. Okay. So my question is, where are you looking for your power? 
I've had people literally receive a healing from God and go back to the doctor with the symptom again and give up their healing to agree with their symptom and then die. Instead of saying, no, bless God, I'm healed. Bless God, I'm the healed Lord. I don't care what my body says. Listen, Abraham, you need to go back and read Romans chapter 4. Abraham, considering not his own body nor the deadness of Sarah's womb, believed God and against hope, against natural hope, believed God. And receive the promise. There are going to be time to be lived, blessed, broken, and given. You're going to have to believe against natural hope, against a natural report. And you're going to have to have, bless God, I am healed. Bless God, my needs are met. Bless God, I'm standing on the word. Bless God, I will not compromise my faith. Are you doing all right? And you stand on the word. Hallelujah. Think about it. Why? You say, Pastor, why are you so aggressive? How many know that cancer is not casual? Amen. How many know death is not casual? How many know the devil has no problem destroying you? He, he is a vicious, you have an adversary seeking to devour. And unless you fight with an intensity, say, pe- people say, Pastor, why are you so intense? Because I hate to lose. And I hate to see people lose when they could have won. I hate losing for no reason when just a, you could have fought to turn that thing around. Amen? Fighting for your health, fighting for your marriages, fighting for your kids, fighting for a breakthrough, whatever it may be. Bless God, get up and fight. Amen. I, I always think about later, how, how long would you let me slap you before you let me, made me quit? Well, how long will you let the devil just kick your butt through life before you get tired of it? You wouldn't let somebody physically do that, but spiritually, we'll let the devil just slap us around all the time. We agree with fear, doubt, and unbelief. Say, wait a minute, no, I'm not going to tolerate that in my life. Amen. I hear about different people and people going on in other people's lives. Man, I'm sorry for everything going on in other people's lives, but I don't have to believe for any of that. Are you doing all right? You, you, you can't agree with people. I go over to pray for people. Say, Pastor, don't come over. I'm sick. I don't want you to get it. I'm not coming to get it. I'm coming to get rid of it. Yeah. I don't have faith to get it. I have faith to get rid of it. Yeah. Amen. We do that. We even do that ourselves. We get sick and we'll stay home because we have more faith for people to catch our cold than we do for God to heal us. Yeah. All right. I need to get off of this. But just think about that. Your unbelief kept you home from calling. If anybody is sick, let him call for the elder. Let them anoint them with oil. And the prayer of faith will raise them up, will save them. Well, I'm going to go to church soon. I, I, I was sick, so I didn't come to church. We pray for the sick. And then if we hear somebody cough in church, we have more faith to catch their cold than we do to go over and pray for them. How do you like me now? Okay. He's looking and waiting for your response. The hand of God or the arm of man. Where are you looking for your power, your provision, your direction? In three out of four accounts, the response was in Mark and Luke and John, where are we going to go buy the bread? Natural response. Jesus already knew what he was going to do. He asked the question to test what Philip would do. What was Jesus testing in Philip's life? His faith and his trust in him. Think about it. Why was Jesus testing and proving him? Hear this this morning. God always shows me to me. God always shows me where I'm at in my walk with him. He comes to reveal me to myself. He does the same with all of us. When a need is before us, where will you turn? Do you believe you can look to God for anything? Do you believe God will meet and supply any need you have before you if you will only give him what you have with more left over in abundance? Neil and Cindy and I were talking at at lunch with Matt and Philip on Sunday after service, and they're talking about how when they go overseas, they see great miracles. You might see more miracles when you go overseas because they don't have all the easy resources you have. 
It's easier, to take, it's easier to take Tylenol for pain and for a headache than it is to pray and believe God. We have resources. They, they, they don't, it, it, we don't have. Listen, even in this, insurance was meant to be a supply for a catastrophic event in our life. To, to ensure you against catastrophe. It was never meant so you could just go down and get prescriptions for having colds. To, to facilitate. We're going down and we're so caught up in insurance and health and doing that stuff that we're agreeing more with sickness and we're getting more and more faith to have everything, to catch everything. Everybody's got germ phobias today. It's sick, you got to wipe, you got to wash your hand. Bless God, d- d- suck on your fingers every now and then. Touch a doorknob. <laughs> Glory to God. Touch a doorknob. You will survive. Oh, that's right. If you drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm you. That's just a fable in your Bible. The Bible is a book of fables, not a book of truth. Uh, Germs, germs. So germs are greater than your God. Microscopic entities have more power over your life than the God who sent his son to die for you than the blood and the body of Christ. How are we doing? <laughs> Amen. So think about it. Think about it. Do you believe God will meet and supply every need? Here's the puzzle. How can one feed and save so many? It's the worship team coming back. All they had was one meal. Think about it. All Jesus had was one life. He will save them the same way that he fed them. Jesus is in. How is Jesus saving the world? He fed the multitude with one meal. He's saving the world with one life. Amen? One life. One life that was a bread of life. One life given to God. Blessed, broken, and given. And, and Austin read it in Matthew 26, 26. And every partaker was fully satisfied with more than enough left over. Come on, God's big enough. If he's meeting everybody else's need, he still has more than enough left over to meet your need. Believe in the abundance of God. Amen? And then do we see him for who he is? Whenever people recognize you, hear this today. Do we see him for who he is? Whenever people recognize Jesus, they would sin for the sick. They would beg to touch him, and as many as touched him were made whole. He was more than enough. Our question is, how do we see him? In verses 18 through 22 in Luke chapter 9, Jesus asked his disciples, and we talked about it on Easter Sunday, who do you say I am? Who do the crowd say I am? Who do you say that I am? Can you see me? Nothing will happen until you see him. You have to see Jesus for who he is. He's God's son. That's why, that's, that's why I love that. By, by, by uh, uh S.M. Lockridge, and we played it at the end of Easter. Do you know him? Do you know Jesus? Could I describe him to you? Can I tell you about him? He's indescribable. He's unexplainable. He's greater than anything. He's under, come on, God is greater. Get a bigger picture of God in your life and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Because until you see him, nothing happens. Think about it. The true cost of discipleship is this. You follow on. He takes his disciples then to deny yourself, to take up your cross, and to follow me. And in doing that, to never be ashamed. It's a key of finding principles and embracing the process. What's in the way in your life this morning? What is it that obscures your vision? Think about it. Then then after right after that, in, in Luke chapter 9, he takes him up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He reveals his glory. Can you imagine that? I always try to get a picture. Look at what Jesus is doing. You're on a mountain. Jesus is transfigured. He's turned into glory. Moses and Elijah appear with him there on the mountain. Go, oh, my God. Look at that. And then God's going, this is my son. So many times, even though you see miraculous stuff, until it gets in your heart, the truth gets in your heart, all that stuff, it doesn't affect you. The disciples come back down, they're like, how come we can't do none of this stuff? Oh my God, you just saw heaven. What? Are you kidding me? Are you with me this morning? Think about it. 
And then in John chapter 6, after feeding the multitudes, they get in the boat and they go the other side. And the storm arises. In the middle of that storm, Jesus comes walking them on the storm. But here, he didn't create the storm, but rather he tried to reveal who he was to them in the storm. Did you see that? That's just so powerful. Why does Jesus walk on water? Again, he is not trying to show off. He's not going, check this out. Look what I can do. He says, guys, next time you're in a storm, remember that I came walking to you on your storm. Remember that I always have authority over any situation that you are in. Remember that I will always come to you as your answer in any circumstance, in any situation. Keep your eyes on me. God doesn't have to create a storm in your life so he can do something to show off to you. He just needs you to know. Anytime he comes to you, he always comes walking to reveal who he is. He's not the author of the storm. He's the author of your answer. Could you say amen? Lastly, stand with me this morning. Jesus reveals his true nature and purpose as a living bread from heaven. Come on, as Austin said this morning, he's the bread of life. He's the living bread. Therefore, he's able to meet every need in abundance with nothing lost. Again, he is, I have to ask myself, who is he to me? Who do I say that he is? Who is Jesus to you this morning? Who do you say that he is? Is he your healer? Is he your deliverer? Is he your provider to a degree that you can just rest in him and say, God, I trust you. Though I don't understand it. I don't have to figure it out because I'm trusting you. You are my sword. You are my supply. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to magnify you. I'm going to glorify you. Hallelujah. If you're in the middle of a storm, if you're in a trial, I want you to just get out and walk right up here right now. Come on, God wants to reveal himself to you. And before you leave this morning, I want you just to begin to declare over your life that he is your answer. He is your provision. He is your supply. He is your healer. He is your deliverer. If you've been facing sickness, if you've been facing a need, if you need a breakthrough in any area, then just see him as that answer right now in Jesus. Come on, don't stay in that boat whining and oh God, we're going to perish. We're not going to make it through this. We'll never get out. There's not enough. How could we get? Where is it going to come from? Oh my God, I don't know what to do. Come on, he's more than enough. He is the living bread. He is the answer. He's the crucified Savior. He's the glorified Lamb. Hallelujah. He's the healer, the redeemer. Glory to God. Glory to God. Miracles were never meant to meet the need of the moment. Jesus didn't do a miracle just to meet the need. He's always was trying to show, this is who I am. I'm your father. I'm your father. Come on, when God created Adam in the garden, he set him in a place where there was no need. He was fully supplied, fully taken care of. You and I are citizens of heaven. Jesus said, pray this way. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It releases the supply. It releases the provision. Father, I pray over your people this morning, right now, in Jesus' name. I declare breakthrough over their life. I declare healing. I declare provision. I declare deliverance, Father. I